Thank you. Matthew chapter 9, verses 16 through 17. We read these words. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. New wineskins. This whole, this response that Jesus gives about cloth and wineskins is, is a response to the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, who were kind of upset because Jesus' disciples were not fasting like they were. And Jesus responds with this, this picture, this word story about cloth and unshrunk and new and old and wineskins, new and old. I've been thinking about that. Well, why would you need to get new wine and new wineskins? I mean, after all, folks, I mean, we're Nazarene. I mean, if we make two trips to the altar, we get saved, and we get sanctified, then that wineskin should be good for the rest of our life, right? So why in the world should we be concerned about allowing there to be fresh wine in new wineskins? Now, I have to admit to you, I, I don't drink wine. Uh, never have. The couple of times that uh, I've gotten close to it, uh, maybe it's because it's been cheap. It stinks really bad, and I don't know how they're able to drink it. But I, I tried to picture and understand why is it that Jesus would use this word picture to help us understand. I mean, in fact, all of the Sermon on the Mount is really about becoming different than what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had been teaching all of these people. So why is it that we would need to be new wineskins and receive a fresh new wine into the midst of our life. And this is what I think. Again, I've not studied wine. I don't know about winemaking. But I think the idea is that if you put wine in wineskins, you put it in there to let it age so that it becomes good, so that somewhere along the line, you empty it out and use it up. I, I think I, I think that seems to be the intention. I, I can't imagine any other reasons why you would put wine into wineskins just to set on the shelf forever. I, I think the intention is that it gets used up. So here we are, Nazarenes, who we've 
come to this realization that we need forgiveness of our sins, that we need to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and live out His life in us, and that somewhere along the journey, we come to the realization that as I shared with you Sunday morning, that we have to get out of the driver's seat and and let Jesus, who's riding along with us, take control of our lives and guide us and direct us to the place that He wants us to go. And when He's doing that, He's going to use us up. Thus, it becomes necessary for us to receive and become new wine in new wineskins. And so, Jesus is teaching that as He goes about trying to respond to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, who are all upset that the disciples are not fasting like their followers. And so, as we unpack chapter 9, we try to understand why Jesus is coming to this realization, why He's using this as as a teaching tool to help us understand this, this importance of growing and becoming more like Christ day after day. Last night, we, we looked at verses 1 through uh, 8, and, and we talked about Jesus touching and healing the paralyzed man. And, and before He told him to get up and walk, He said, your sins are forgiven. And, and we talked last night that Part of the process, part of the steps in in becoming new wineskin is not only receiving the forgiveness of Christ in our own life, but also learning the importance of forgiving those who have wronged us. Now tonight, we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to but sinners. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus calls the commoner, the uh, regular people, the tax collector, the sinner. And he says, come and follow me. We know when we read John chapter 3 that Jesus also encounters and and reaches out to the religious people. John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to him by night and, and they had this deep spiritual conversation. But for the most part, as we read the life of Jesus, it's, it's the uncommon, the, the people that we wouldn't think 
would be the ones that Jesus would reach out to. And here in verses 9 through 13, he reaches out to the tax collector, the despised cheat that took advantage of other people. And Jesus says to him, Come, follow me. Come, become one of my disciples. Come, let me show you what it really means to be part of the kingdom of God. Jesus is willing and desires to take people, regardless of their past, who are willing to put their past aside and to leave it all and begin to follow after Christ. That's the people that Jesus came for. That's us. We didn't deserve it, but He called us to follow Him. I, a few, several, a uh, couple months ago, actually, I got a, a text from, from one of our pastors on our district. And he said, uh, Terry, uh, I, I just want you to know that we had a young lady in our service this last week that's, well, she's, she's an exotic dancer. And she came to know Jesus. And I just wanted to share that with you. He said, I didn't want you to hear that we had dancers at our church, but I, I wanted you to hear that Christ is bringing about transforming, redeeming hope to people who are lost. And, and, and the good news is, the last time I talked to the pastor just a few weeks ago, this young lady is redeemed and she's growing in her faith and learning about what it means to be his follower. Throughout Scripture, God calls those who fall short by religious standards to come and follow after him. He calls people to follow him that, from the world's viewpoint, they don't have what it takes to be used as a leader, as someone who can make a difference in their world. You know, I think back into the midst of the Old Testament, men like Noah, Abraham, Moses, Gideon, all of them felt that they were unworthy, that they couldn't do what God would ask them to do. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I have a feeling that some of you are pretty much like me, and you're wondering, why in the world did God choose me to do a particular task? In my own strength, I'm not able, but because God has called me, I believe that He is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or ask, and He desires to use us. His calling to Matthew in this passage, I believe, is huge. It speaks volumes to us, for it doesn't matter what our past or our experience has been. God is calling us, all of us, 
whether you're online or you're sitting in a pew, God is calling us to be His disciple. Just like He wants us to be emptied, to be used up, and to be filled again, He continues to call us. It's not a one-and-done or two-and-done type experience, religious experience. Yes, there are those crises, those critical moments where, where we make a decision to ask for forgiveness. There's a critical moment in our journey where we make a decision to consecrate our life and, and allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us and to purify us and to crucify the old way and to become this new person in Christ. But all of the journey, all of the journey is a process of allowing God to work and to shape and to mold us. His calling, I believe, is to become new wineskins so that He can pour into us the fresh outpouring of His Spirit so that we can offer and bring His love and His grace and His mercy into the world in which we live. But you know, as we read here, the Pharisees have a problem with this. The religious leaders didn't like it. They didn't like that he would buddy up, that he would associate with, with these tax collectors. After all, they were, they were not good people. They, they were selling out. But Jesus reaches out to people, his creation. His call is counterculture. Jesus is about establishing a new standard. It's not the accepted practice of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And I love that Jesus is so quick to respond with this, this vivid word picture that simply says, hey folks, hey religious people, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. Jesus is calling us to follow after Him, to be His disciples. And not just to put on, on the banner that says that we're Christian, but to put on a lifestyle that says we want to be like Christ in the midst of our world. We want to reach out to those who are unlovable, those who are unacceptable, and show them this love and this grace and this mercy of Jesus Christ. I think this statement calls us today, the church, February 16th, 2021, calls us here in Pittsfield, it calls us across the Illinois district, it calls us around the world to ask the question, how are we the church, the body of Christ, the community of faith, how are we reaching the sick? How are we reaching the sick? You know, as I think back into the midst of, of my growing up years and my early ministry back in the, in the 60s and the 70s, I, I think that we had reached 
a time in the journey of, of life here in America where it was easy to invite people into church and they were willing to come and church was kind of a social place and in the midst of gathering together they would hear the gospel proclaimed and, and, and they would come to know Christ. But in today's world, there's not a whole lot of people that are just aching to get an invitation to come to church. Part of that, I think, is, is our fault. Because sometimes we don't portray church as a place that they really want to be. We don't always portray that church is a place that other people want to be. And, and I think that we, me, us, we need to work on that. The people of the world, though, are still looking for someone who will offer them a place of hope. Give me a few moments to brag on, on well, all my kids are wonderful, but let me tell you a little bit about Brett and Ashley. Brett was uh, my youth pastor for, mm, well, from 2006 to about uh, 2017, something like that. And, and Brett just has this incredible, winsome personality that, that attracts, and, and young people just loved him, and, and they responded, and Ashley is this just incredible, relational young lady. And I loved him having, having them as my youth pastor. I knew that the youth group were cared for and loved for and cared about. But uh, somewhere along the way, about... 2016, 2017, Brett began to feel like the church wasn't doing a very good job of reaching people. Now, I, I have to tell you, Ashley was one of the best. Uh, I, I could tell you about Daisy or others that that came to our church and became part of our church because Ashley had built a relationship with them out in the midst of her workplace, and they would come and became part of the church. But that was the exception and not the norm for all of us. Our, our statistics, they were increasing a little bit, but not just wonderful. And Brett began to sense that there had to be another way to reach the people out there who are lost. And so he began to dream, and under with God's help and others that are district superintendent in southwest Oklahoma, he, he created this gym. A gym of all places. And he, and he came to our church board and said, I want this to be a church. And, and the pastor... And, and the church board says, how can a gym be church? Are you going to sing songs? Are you going to take an offering? Are you going to have prayer? How is a gym church? Well, that just goes to say that we have, we have misconstrued the idea of church to begin with because we felt 
we were thinking church as a place that you come together. And this pandemic has really helped us to understand that, that yes, we love to come together in corporate worship, but the church is us living out our faith and our life into the midst of our world. And now Brett, if he were to be here, he could tell you about Candace or about Jack or about the young man that stood out in the foyer. foyer. See, I, I still think church language, he doesn't have a foyer. He has a parking lot. And, and after class one day, his gym is CrossFit, so they do it all in class. And they support and they encourage one another in the midst of that, which is a whole other message on community. But in the parking lot, the young man began to confess to him that he was struggling and didn't have a faith anymore in God. But yet, Brett was able to help him. And, and in fact, I, I haven't even gotten all the story yet, but just a few weeks ago, Brett was telling his mom about this, another guy that was coming to the gym that came in early one morning. Class starts at 5 a.m., and the guy came in early. I'm thinking, man, this guy, <laughs> I don't even know how Brett gets up early, that early to get there, to be that part of a workout at 5 o'clock. But anyway, he came in early at 4.30 a.m. and began to talk to Brett and said, you know, I'm an atheist. But you know what? I think I'm beginning to believe about this God that you keep talking about. What was it? Brett had allowed God to call him to pour new wine into a new wineskin and began to build relationships out in the midst of the world that showed, showed, that showed someone else the love and the grace and the mercy of the Almighty God who sent His Son to die for forgiveness of our sins. Church, I really believe God wants to make all of us new wineskins so that He can pour into our lives a fresh outpouring of His Spirit in such a way that we can go out of this place into our workplaces, into our schools, into our neighborhoods, and we can show the love of Christ in such a way that the kingdom of God will begin to grow because they are seeing Jesus in us. If we are going to be new wineskins, to be filled with new wine that Jesus has for us, we must engage in acts of mercy. We must show the compassion of Christ and the love of Christ in such a way that others are intrigued and they have an interest and a desire to find out more about what makes our life tick.
My concern is that right now, when the world looks at the church in general, the community of faith that call ourselves Christians, they are not seeing much different in us they are in the world. I'm not here, so I don't know about you. I can only tell you what I've seen from the church in general in my circles. The world, as they've looked on at the church, they've heard the church, the community of faith, the people that have the the labels across our chests that say Christian, they've heard us be ugly to politicians. They've seen us complaining about our government. They hear Christians complaining about how bad the world is instead of letting them hear about the hope that we have in the midst of our world. Right after we the church was, was, was able to open back up. One of the first Sundays that, you know, we could go back to church, that, at least that, as we understood it. It was a small church that I attended. And in the back of the church, we were there early because we were going to be doing something particular that day, and so we were, I'd gone early to meet the pastor. And, and in the back of the church... Two believers, two Christians, older people, people that I think that I, if I would have known who they were, I probably would have looked up to them because I would have watched them be in the church and live out their faith day after day. But I stood there and listened and watched as they had this outright argument in the back of the church about the legalities of masks. I'm not here to say anything one way or the other about the mask. But what I heard was two believers that, that were so divided that they couldn't even come together in their unity and faith. And that bothered me. And, and, and I hear it over and over again in the midst of our world. We are called to be his disciples. We are called to be new wine and new, uh, new wineskins filled with new wine so that we can go and make a difference in the midst of our world. And, and I'm concerned in the midst of our journey that we have forgotten this is a journey of grace. And as we learn and hear God calling us, He's calling us to, to follow after Him. And, and tonight, I mean, it's, it's a call that He's calling us to be His disciple. And if you are not His disciple, then I, I want to challenge you. There is no better life than to live a life that's following after the Master. But He's also calling us who are following Him to live a life in such a way that, that the, the freshness of this new wine doesn't burst the old wineskin. But because of His presence in us, 
we are allowing Him to make us into new wineskins so that we can be His hands and His feet, His love and His grace in the midst of our world to make a difference in His kingdom. So tonight, uh, who are the sick that you know that need a doctor? Maybe even tonight, some of us are sick spiritually. We're not where Christ wants us to be. Maybe we haven't been listening to His voice calling us to go out into the midst of our world to find some Matthews. And as I sat there earlier tonight, I thought, man, this message is more for me than it is for any one of you. Because it's a whole different world than I've ever lived in, in building relationships with people and with lost. But he's calling me to find a way to make a difference in my neighborhood, to make a difference in my community. And he's calling us, calling you, to find some Matthews that need to know Christ. So this evening, this is the way that I want to close. Uh, I want to have prayer, and then the girls, ladies, girls, girls, they're girls, they're young. The girls will come and sing. and, And as they're singing, I just want you to think about, first, are you following after Christ? That's a good question to ask all the time. And if you know that the answer is yes, which I have a, a, a feeling and, and I have a, a strong sense of, of significance that there will be a lot of yeses here, you're following after Christ, then who is the Matthew that you need to invest in? Who is the Matthew that you need to love on and show Christ's love and mercy and compassion? You know, we don't need to tell them they got to quit smoking cigarettes. Gary knew that. I didn't have to tell him that. He knew it wasn't healthy for him. And the Holy Spirit did an incredible miracle without the church, us, ever telling him what he needed to do. You don't need to tell the Matthews, the tax collectors, how they need to get their books lined up. We just got to love them and show them Christ and allow Christ to call them through us. So who are the Matthews in your life tonight? And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll let them sing. And while they're singing, if, if you need to pray about a Matthew, ask the Lord to show you a Matthew. If you need to respond to God's call to be a Matthew, that he wants to have you call, uh, come and follow him, tonight is a good night to make that decision as well. Lord Jesus, uh, thanks for this message tonight. Thanks for challenging my heart and uh, help me tonight to begin to pray and seek for some Matthews in my, 
in my community, in my sphere of influence, that I can share your love and your compassion and your grace and your mercy, and that somehow you will speak to them through me, that you will call them, and that they will have the opportunity to discover the hope and the joy and the love of following after you. And it's not just about knowing that we can go to heaven and not hell, but it's about discovering how to live an abundant life here on this earth. And that we would learn to, and discover how to help bring earth, heaven down to earth. And that we experience your joy in Christ's name.